HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Levo. Simple, potent, at-home herbal infusions at the push of a button. Learn more at levooil.com and feed your enthusiasm. That's L-E-V-O-O-I-L.com. Hi, I'm Mike Schreiber. Welcome to The Shameless Chef, the show that takes us back in time to home kitchens in the 1970s, but still has a lot to teach us today. I developed this show with Michael Davenport in 1977. He was the original host of The Shameless Chef, and he shared his fearless attitudes towards food and encouraged home cooks to have fun and take some risks in the kitchen. I'm excited to keep this legacy alive and share The Shameless Chef with you on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm sharing strategies for being thrifty, whether you're trying to save money on grocery shopping or save time in the kitchen. This was one of Michael's favorite ideas. He'd start in the menu stage by putting ingredients into categories without any brand names. Then he'd go to the store, study the choices in each category, and find the least expensive choice. His purpose was to find out if the price made any difference in taste. If he tried the recipe and it didn't taste good, he'd try to identify which ingredients had a negative effect on the taste, and he'd attempt to create the meal with a new ingredient. If that didn't work, he'd go back to the drawing board and try another ingredient. Eventually, he'd beam with pride when he found what he was looking for, and he liked the way it tasted. Now, I agree that this was a painstaking method of cooking, but it's an indication of the dedication Michael put into his food, and eventually, all of the Shameless Chef programs. If you could walk up to the butcher and order a complete beef fillet without batting an eye or asking the price, would you end up being a truly spectacular cook? Maybe. But it's the little challenges through the ages that have made cooking an art. Imagination is the secret ingredient of economy cuts. This is The Shameless Chef, and I'll tell you why. Mm Mm-hmm. You like chicken cacciatore? It's not an exotic dish. It's merely chicken hunter style. Some Italian hunters sometime must have shot an old, tired grouse and thrown it on the fire with some tomatoes and a handful of herbs and turned out something that costs a bundle on today's modern menus. The Indians probably did the same thing with buffalo meat, although no recipes have come down to us. Exotic curry from India probably was originally made with any old meat, and sometimes really old, or whatever was at hand. A lot of curry spices were probably used to hide the age of the meat, or to make do with whatever was at hand. Curry is thought of as esoterica today. 
Now, the French, the Italians, the Germans are all famous for their combinations of flavors and textures, and heaven knows only royalty got the best of the meats. There's nothing expensive, for example, about a classic New England boiled dinner, but it's hard to beat for the sheer joy of eating. The history of food tells us that races all over the world made do with what they had from sea, tree, pen, or prairie. All they had that they couldn't find was imagination, experimentation, the inspiration, if you will, that comes from um, desperation. So let the economy plummet. You can eat well on a pullet. So fillets cost a near fortune. Fish doesn't, and it's better for you. There's a secret in here, and it's this. Buy what you can afford. Spend a little time and imagination, which costs nothing. And you, too, can be a shameless chef if you care about that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm Michael A. Davenport. I'm not only shameless in the kitchen, I'm good. And cheap. Ciao. They have magical powers. They came to Earth created by a bolt of lightning. They grow and thrive completely in the dark without light. <laughs> this is the shameless chef. I'm not talking about alien creatures. I'm here to tell you, uh, probably more than you care to know, about a fungus. The mushroom. Bet you nickel you have a can of mushrooms in your pantry shelf at this very minute. If not mushrooms themselves, then mushroom soup. We live with mushrooms quite handily. And no civilized steak is complete without them. But don't we tend to think of mushrooms as canned? You know, something to make sauces out of, something to stretch a casserole, something to perk up the flavor of something that tends to be ordinary. Do we ever think of picking up some fresh mushrooms on the market and serving them as, as a vegetable, just lightly sautéed and flavored? No, we should. Mushrooms are great. They're nutritious. They don't have anything that makes Canadian mice sick, as far as I know. And pound for pound, they're economical and always in season. That's because, you see, they grow in buildings and not in fields, and without light, and therefore they don't have, to, don't have to depend upon the temperamental flashes of Mother Nature. Now, I've got a friend who goes blithely through haunts of coot and hern to pick wild mushrooms. Seems there are only a few days in the springtime when the particular mushroom he likes appears in the woods. It's like the grunion running, very ritual, that. Now, <laughs> I know that mushroom fanciers know what they're doing. I know they study mushrooms as carefully as a science, but I always have just a little doubt. Mushrooms in the market, on the other hand, are like potatoes. Reliable, fresh, chock full of goodness, and uh, safe. Hey, I learned something recently. You know, people on the East Coast prefer the pale, barely toasted, light-colored mushrooms. Now, the West Coasters like the deep, dark brown variety. And you know, they're the same mushrooms, East or West? They're just cleaned up, as sometimes touched with a little preservative before packing. That's for the pale Easterners. Did you see? <laughs> I tell you all this uh, just to bring mushrooms to your attention. I know I, I forget about them from time to time. But they're a wondrous vegetable, a great flavor thing to combine with any other vegetable. And they'll turn something pedestrian into something quite extraordinary. Now, Michael A. Davenport here, the shameless chef. This week, take a mushroom to lunch. Or dinner, or dancing, or anything on the town. a victim of the offerings of public markets. I go to buy a few things, though, some salad greens, a couple of pieces of fresh fruit, and I end up with enough produce to fill the back of a pickup truck. 
Given the display of supposedly farm-fresh produce, and something in me snaps. <laughs> this is the shameless chef with a sure cure for market addiction. To begin the cure for market addiction, there is one sure method. Don't go. Now, you may have withdrawal pains. You'll begin to imagine the juice of a fresh, freestone peach dribbling down your chin. Take a cold shower. Your teeth begin to itch for the crunch of escarole and parsley salad. Say the multiplication tables backwards. There is no sure cure for market addiction that I know of except complete and absolute abstinence. One of the big risks of marketing in public display areas is that in addition to the fresh produce, other temptations abound. Homemade jams and jellies, bakery and meat specialties, plants and, and flowers, and nuts. I've been known to go to the farmer's market in Los Angeles, a hotbed of produce addiction, with every intention of buying some fresh fruit for a centerpiece and come home with four shopping bags full of things like uh, freshly ground peanut butter, four pounds of it, three Peruvian wall hangings. Once many years ago, I found myself in the Mercado in Guadalajara just to stroll through for a little local color, don't you know? And among my final purchases were two dozen bandanas and a lifetime supply of corn tortillas. And I was just visiting, mind you. No kitchen to cook anything. Other dens of iniquity to avoid if you are a market addict would be a Chinatown in San Francisco. Three hours after a visit there, you'll be searching frantically through cookbooks trying to find four ways to cook four pounds of bean curd. Eschew with your very life, Barnstable Market outside London, unless you want to bring home enough runner bean chutney to supply the entire East Indies. This is Michael A. Davenport, the shameless chef, a practicing and experienced farmer's market junkie. Now I must get back to making jam out of those four flats of fresh strawberries. Stay with us for more of The Shameless Chef after a short break. This episode is brought to you by Levo, the world's most intelligent at-home infuser. It's super easy to use to make infusions for cooking, candies, cosmetics, and herbal medicines. When the box showed up, I was excited to try it out as I've heard good things about the machine. It looks like a space-age coffee maker on the counter, and having it out makes me want to infuse everything. I've got plans for the hot peppers on my counter and the sage I picked from the garden before the first freeze last week, along with some other choice herbs and spices. I think everyone on my list is going to get infused oils this year. So far, I've used it for cannabis, basil, and orange peel-infused oils and butter. The machine even has dry and activate functions for the highest potency and stability in your infusions, and you can connect through Wi-Fi to track your progress and record your recipes and share with the Levo community. Learn more at levooil.com. That's L-E-V-O-O-I-L.com. Welcome back to The Shameless Chef. An aunt of mine once opined, so it's a dreary stormy day. There's nothing more cozy and comforting than a warm kitchen, the ticking of an old-fashioned clock, a pan of cornbread in the oven, and a good pot of beans bubbling on the stove. <laughs> Does that sort of Americana make you nostalgic or slightly nauseated? Well, anyway, this is The Shameless Chef, and today I'm singing the praise of the lowly bean. Beans, the world's greatest staples. You encounter them in the simple and savory French dish, the cassoulet, and the highly touted baked beans of Boston. And though they're enjoyed all over the world, they undisputably came to the world originally from America. Mm -hmm. 
Scarlet runners, kidney or French beans, lima or butter beans, haricot beans, flageolets, all the types of string beans, they came from this country. French explorers brought them back, and then they returned here to be called, strangely enough, French beans. Beans are so popular because they're good in season and out. Fresh from the vine or stored dry, cooked with simple seasonings by themselves uh, when they're fresh, or as part of the hundreds of, of casserole recipes that come to mind. Beans are hearty, incredibly cheap, but they store nearly forever, and they're very, very high on the nutritional scale. They, they tell me, for instance, that there's more protein in lentils than in beef, and cooked correctly, they taste as good, methinks. Beans are so wonderfully simple to cook. The dried varieties, and the list is endless, need to soak overnight and then be cooked. The addition of flavorful vegetables like celery and onions, the application of a bouquet garni, uh, some meat, uh, fresh or leftover, and you have a dish fit for king or family. You don't have to watch and agonize over beans. They simmer quietly by themselves on the back of the stove until you're ready to serve them whetting the appetite and charming a dreary house, as me old aunt contended. Bet you forgot about beans, didn't you? Let your memory or your nostalgia be jiggled by these words from the shameless chef. Cook a bean or so this week. Michael A. Davenport here, intoning the praise of the lowly bean, or as they say in Mexico, ay frijoles. There are numerous reasons why I'm called the shameless chef, but being a spendthrift isn't one of them. I've addressed myself to saving money by economy shopping, but today I'd like to suggest saving energy in the kitchen. And there's nothing shameless about that. We've all become terribly conscious about energy conservation, and it's nothing new. The poor have done it for centuries. But making a, a conscious effort to conserve energy when cooking, if not new, is timely. Every time you turn on that range, you're using energy. The more it's on, the higher it's turned up, the more energy you use. So let's consider, for the moment, conserving not only the energy of resources, but the energy we personally expend cooking. In the kitchen, saving may not necessarily be easy, but certainly anything that's easy is economical. Of the nervous system, precious time, and energy. Slow cooking is the first thing that comes to mind. Things like uh, stews and casseroles and uh, slow roasting dishes. They all generally save energy. Many of them can be done in small appliances, like the toaster oven, which uses less energy. It makes a more economical use of time, too, which is a resource that really needs to be conserved. The toaster oven cooks while you're away. Cold things. They don't require anything but the fridge, and that's running anyway. Crudités, salads, cold cuts all represent a nice change, and you never have to turn on the burner. Leftover coffee? Don't throw it out. Serve it iced for a change, and you don't have to use energy to make a fresh pot. Tea brewed in the sunlight is delightful, and I find it quite addictive as compared to the traditionally steeped style. Then there's the lovable, economical leftover like uh, meat, only slightly warmed and served with gravy or sauce. Now, warming up takes less energy than cooking from scratch. Further, leftovers are a great opportunity to use some of those spices and flavorings that are going to waste in your kitchen cabinet. As a chef, I may be shameless, but I'm not profligate. Saving time and energy in the kitchen gives you more time to worry about the energy crisis. Michael A. Davenport here. Click. Please, subscribe to The Shameless Chef wherever you get your podcasts. 
The voice you heard throughout this episode was Michael Davenport, the host of The Shameless Chef, who unfortunately passed in 1985, but lived a truly vibrant life. The Shameless Chef is produced by Dylan Hoyer and me, Mike Schreiber, with podcast development and additional production by Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. The original theme song for The Shameless Chef was composed by Chip Davis. Armin Spengen composed the theme music for this podcast. The Shameless Chef is powered by Simplecast. The Shameless Chef is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.